You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. All right, it looks like we are live. Got to give me just a second, let this stream breathe really quick so that I can add the Mile High Huddle Super Fan Group. Which one is it? Where is it at? It's that one, I do believe. Yes, we're good to go here in just a second. And looks like we are good. Mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I'm your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual is Mile High Huddle Senior NFL Draft Analyst, my good friend and colleague, the one and only Eric Trickle. Eric, dude, Big news this week. Obviously, the the start of training camp for day three today is already concluded. Uh, The Broncos are out there working their butts off and getting everything kind of dialed in. The quarterback competition is raging. But, man, how are you doing? Are you excited for football to be back, man? Man, I thought the big big news is that I'm full-time for MHH now. I thought (laughs) that was the big news. Like, man, I'm actually doing wonderful. Last day was my last day at my day job. Um I mean, you, you saw at the moment that I was able to put in my notice, just how much my attitude changed. Like I've, I've talked, I've met on Twitter multiple times. I've talked about stories that happened while I was there. Like that doesn't even sum up how draining this job was mentally and physically dealing with the type of people that I had to deal with the criminals of where I live being yelled at threatened. I mean, I I know we're not supposed to talk about stuff like that, but I mean, just my first month there, I somebody tried to stab me and I got in trouble for it because I engaged with the person when all I told them was you cannot bring a knife into the courthouse and I got in trouble for somebody trying to stab me (laughs) like oh so I mean and that's just the tip of the iceberg there like I can so much more super excited for and of course training camp I mean it was very bad timing on my part to have my last day be in the middle of training camp wanted to cover all this news and then trying to deal with everything like that making sure all my old uniforms get turned in but Man, football's back. I'm excited. I'm excited for more than just obviously leaving my job. I'm excited that football's back. Excited to great get breakdown into what's going on in camp, even though it's day three, still extremely earlier or extremely early. Sorry. So just super excited. Super excited to be here, especially after missing last week. It was my first ep- missed episode of a live Dove Valley Deep Divers. It felt so weird sitting there and realizing, oh, I'm I should be on a podcast right now. And uh, yeah, it was just weird. And I got to say, Nick's shirt last week was weird. <laughs> I, you know what? I loved it. I loved it. The jellyfish. It was the, the Hawaiian style T-shirt. He was uh, uh, like, he he really leaned into being a Dove Valley deep diver. And it was it was a fun show, dude. I really I, I hope to get some insight from you on that and maybe, you know, talk about that. There, I got, uh, a player that was on my 53 man roster. We're going to talk about him here in just a little bit. But, dude, it, it's good to have you back. First things first. And uh, again, congratulations on becoming a full time staff member and having this be your full time job. I know how much you like to do this. I know how much you love doing it, how good you are. I, you teach everybody so much with your film breakdowns and stuff like that, which that's going to be a sticky situation here oh, soon man. with let's, NFL let's Game not Pass. Bring up film pieces right now, not with everything going on with NFL Game Pass. Like, uh. it is, it is what it is. I mean, in uh, eventually, it sounds like they're going to get it fixed. We're not exactly sure when. Hopefully, not by the, the start of the season. 
Really, I, that's yep. not. I, I had heard something other than that the other day, but apparently, the net, that's not a that's not going to happen. So that really sucks. But yeah, I mean, anyways, guys, it, it it kind of is what it is. And thank you all for joining us on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I want to say hello to everybody. We got Michael Ronquillo jumping in here on Facebook. Dave Glassman already we already flashed his name one time for saying congratulations to Eric. What's up, Dave? Over on Facebook. Uh, let's see, we've got Desert Creature in the house. Our Powell got a Facebook user in here. I'm not exactly sure who you are, but uh, there's a setting on your Facebook uh, on your Facebook page that does not allow uh, permissions to be uh, crossed from platform to platform. So make sure you go uh, get that fixed up so that we can shout you out by name. And thank you for joining us. Uh, let's see here, Steve Hearn in the house as well. We have George Newton, uh, Maurice uh, Chevalier. That's a new name, Maurice. What's going on? He's got a quick, uh, quick question here. Quick comment that I saw earlier. Uh, do you want to spend precious hours perfecting a delicious prime rib in the oven, only to take it out and immediately cut into it? No, you don't. Just like this delicious podcast, you let it breathe. Well, hey, we appreciate that. Uh, thank you, for Maurice, for joining us. Now, guys, let's get into the into the meat and juice of this uh, of this episode. Speaking of meat. Right, yeah. Uh, speaking of me, well, hey, you know what? Hey, so uh, this weekend, so yesterday, guys, it, it, I didn't put this out on my Twitter account. It was on my Facebook page. If you guys are friends with me on Facebook, you already know kind of the situation. Um, Wednesday was Samantha and, and my uh, second anniversary, and then on Thursday, yesterday was my my our son Caven's first birthday. It's crazy that uh, it's been a year already. But my folks are actually coming into town this weekend, uh, and they're they're going to be here here probably in about an hour or so uh, to celebrate his first birthday. We're going to have a housewarming party, big barbecue. And in fact, I am going to be taking a, a whole prime rib with the bones on and everything, slapping that damn thing on the smoker for about six hours. And we're going to eat like Kings this weekend. So really excited for that. But guys today, uh, a lot of excitement, obviously optimism is back in Broncos country. We have training camp is, is among us. Again, the quarterback competition is off to a, a good start. It sounds like both, uh, both of the quarterbacks, Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke respectively are playing pretty well. For the most part, Drew struggled on day two for the most part, but from the sound of it, he he kind of finished strong, had a couple of red zone touchdowns and red zone drills, uh, and, and is really kind of pushing the ball all over the field, whereas Teddy Bridgewater is just being steady Teddy, you know, taking the check downs, taking what's given to him. He's made a couple of really nice throws, including a fade touchdown pass that he had to Tim Patrick to close out practice yesterday. So, Eric, what are you hearing about this quarterback competition and what do you what are your takeaways from it so far? First, we should probably do some matters of business. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we get into that, uh, guys, make sure you guys are following me on, on Twitter at SandersonMHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also, guys, while you guys are at it, make sure you guys are following at Mile High Huddle. That's the mother account. You're going to be getting breaking news and analysis covering all of uh, this this training camp, the quarterback battle, anything that we're going to get from Coates. You're going to find that at Mile High Huddle. It's the easiest way to, uh, to keep in touch with what's going on with the Denver Broncos. Also, guys, follow at DVDD underscore pod. That's a podcast account. That's where you're going to find out what we're going to be talking about every single week. Uh, let's see here. Facebook users. Go to facebook.com slash mile high huddle. Click the blue become a supporter button. That's where you're going to get premium content like Kelberman's Corner on Sundays at noon and also like the Trickle Zone, Eric Trickle's show, where he breaks down what's going on with the Denver Broncos and specific topics uh, for you guys over on Facebook. As And it also, I think, goes over to YouTube as well. Um, so, yeah, clips of it, dude. But anyways, we're going to wrap that up here. I got some more to, to, to talk about here and in just a little bit. One other but, thing. Guys, we're starting a competition since Lance and I are, will both be at the meet and greet with at the September 26th game against that. 
Um, you guys get to go and pick out what hair color we're gonna dye our hair. <laughs> I did not agree to this. I did not agree to this at all. However, I'm down. I'm down. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll throw some uh, some hot pink and, and lime green in my hair. That, no, I'm I'd not fly from Alaska to Denver with some like neon green, hot pink. Like there you go. I'm down. I can there do it now. I don't work at a courthouse <laughs> where I have to look professional. I can paint my nails. I can dye my hair. I can do stuff like that. This dude is feeling it tonight. I love this. This is already <laughs> off to a great, great start. Now, Eric, back to the quarterback competition. What have you heard so far from anybody? And also, what are your takeaways so far? Which which quarterback do you think has this the, the edge, if anything, thus far through three days? Well, I mean, right now, with everything that I've heard, with what I've seen, I mean, they loaded up most of yesterday's practice. Actually, I think all of it, but with some cut-ups, and you didn't get to see every play. Um, watching that... Um, I would have it as day one as a push between the two quarterbacks. Day two definitely in Locks or in Bridgewater's favor, and then today definitely in Locks' favor. I mean, I know somebody mentioned the bomb to Hamler, like that was just great. And it wasn't just the whole bomb. Wasn't the fact. I mean, some out there they want to discredit seven on sevens. They want to discredit because it was Parnell Motley. I'm looking at the footwork of Lock, and he locked in his foot, no pun intended, to for the throwing lane. Like he point, he had it pointing towards his target. Like the technique from base to top was just perfect from Drew Locke. I mean, that's really nice to see. Um, I agree with Vic Banjo. We haven't, um, you, we haven't really had enough time, no pads, no preseason games to really decide, Oh, there's this huge separation between these quarterbacks. Um, but the best thing is, is that neither of these quarterbacks is um, no interceptions. Yeah. Like, yep. Just no interceptions. And that's that's a great thing to see. I mean, I, I've I think I said it before on the pod. If not, I did it on an, in an article or not. That Drew Locke, what he needed to show was he needed to cut back the interceptions. That's one thing that Ted, Teddy Bridgewater typically does pretty well. Yep, is cut back the interceptions. If Drew Locke wants to be a starter, he can't turn the ball over a lot in camp. Whichever quarterback does end up winning this job, I think we'll have a short leash. And if the turnovers start coming, then they'll probably get yanked. But Drew Locke, so far, I think he. In a way, he has the edge. He's a young guy. He's got more upside and hasn't turned over the ball yet. Right. So going back to those turnovers, there's really only been one interception so far the, uh, in camp, and it was Caden Stearns who picked off a, a pass from Brett uh, from Brett Rippon. And from the sound of it, Rippon just missed Stearns and threw it right to him. It was an easy pitch and catch. Now, there has been yeah, some – was, Yeah, I was specifying Lockett. Right, right, right. Rippon's, and, Rippon's not part of the competition. so Right. And I, I, I was just saying that the, it, it's kind of a point Although, for the secondary – Today, his name should be Brett Rippett. That pass that he had for a touchdown was great. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember which one it was, but I do remember saying, oh, hey, look at Trinity that. Benson was yeah, that's team. right. That's right. Trinity Benson, he yeah, ran up the hill. A, and, yep. He's making a strong push for this roster. Yes, he is. Um, I have heard – I don't know if this is confirmed or not. I did hurt here. Somebody mentioned on Twitter that he's getting a look at on special teams, and I think that's his best way there. Denver has made it clear. Then Deontay Spencer isn't guaranteed the return job. Sorry, right. kind of all over the place with this, but back to quarterbacks. Uh, it, it, it's it's all good. It, it's all good. There's there's a lot to talk about. And guys, if you have any questions, if if we have any questions about any specific players that you want to talk about, uh, get into the super chat. Get in the into the chat stream. We're uh, we're running without John tonight. Uh, Buana Beast is not not with us right now. Uh, he has some personal stuff going on, so we'll we'll just let that go. Uh, Muhammad Badri jumping in here with a two dollar super sticker. Can't pull that up right now. Uh, that's usually what John does. So apologies yeah. for that. But thanks thanks Muhammad for for joining us as always. You are the king of the super sticker, and you already know that. Uh, but if you guys 
have any questions, specific players that you want to hear about, anything that we can glean from what the, the limited access that we do have. Obviously, we're, we're searching Twitter accounts, listening to radio shows, finding whatever videos we can find uh, to try to, to give you guys some insights. But if you have any questions, guys, hit us up on Super Chat, get in the chat screen. Uh, Riley jumping in here. Eric and Lance, Eric and Lance, Eric and Lance, get hyped. Riley, we appreciate that. Uh, that's a new name to me as well. Thank you for joining yeah, us and I, thank I, you for I that. I haven't seen you before. before. No, it's a, it's great to see you. Yeah, we appreciate you, man. We really do. Um, but to, to, uh, hashtag King, King of the Super Stickers. There he is. There very he is. True, Muhammad. So the the quarterback competition right now. I have heard that there has been some some miscues from Drew Locke, uh, especially yesterday. He had a pretty rough start yesterday. Went like three of nine, I think, overall for the majority of the day. He did have a couple of late, late touchdown passes um, to close out the the session, but. For the most part, he's been kind of struggling a little bit as far as some accuracy, some timing. Seems like he's still just a little uh, like a tick late on some of his decision making and stuff like that. And he has had two passes that could have been intercepted. So that's it's kind of one of those. He'll, he'll have all the wow plays. He'll have the super high highs and the super low lows. He is just all over the place. He's got an incredibly high ceiling and an incredibly low floor. Now, there was a very interesting question. Real, I, go ahead. Real quick, I just want to touch on that about this incredibly high ceiling, low floor is – that's what these practices have been. We've seen the super highs of Drew Locke and the super yep. lows of Locke, and we've seen Teddy being steady Teddy. I mean, very consistent. He's only had, what, four incompletions through the three days so far, and two or three of them were drops. Like, steady Teddy. That's his name. That's his nickname for a reason, and we have Drew Locke. Super high ceiling. I mean, it's Honestly, I'm not shocked that camp has gone this way. But right. getting this roller coaster from Locke. And the thing is that he can't be like this. He's got to be more like this on this kind yep. of wavelength. And if he wants to keep doing that, stop throwing the interceptions. Or if he wants to be the starting quarterback, can't throw the interceptions and got to find that balance there. Yeah. It, it, so that th actually leads into a very interesting question that was asked to Vic Fangio in his, in his post-practice press conference today. And he used an expletive and I won't use that here, but it was something along the lines of the wow plays. Like, so how, how do the wow plays, you know, the, the big, huge bomb to, to KJ Hamler that, that drew locks through today. Um, a, a, another the, like tight window throws and stuff like that. Those wow plays, how do they outweigh the negative plays? And, you know, Vic Fangio didn't really give a, a, a solid answer to that, but he says, you know, it does it does outweigh, you know, one crappy play um, doesn't necessarily, it doesn't, uh, or you can't have, you know, three wow plays and have it outweigh a, a crap, like one seriously crappy play. And that's where the colorful language was at. But, you know, it, he's like, it, it, it's it's hard to find that balance there, but if he's going to have it, like if, if these guys are going to have these wow plays just constantly showing up, constantly showing up, constantly showing up, they need to have that and have that consistency and able to do so and limit those crappy plays, limit the, the bad reads, limit the bad throws and stuff like that. And for Teddy, I think on the other side of that, he needs to start having some more wow plays. Like he has had a couple yep. of really nice throws and don't get me wrong. Like, like I said, he had that Tim Patrick fade in the, the corner of the end zone to close out. I think it was yesterday. Um, he also had a, a deep, crossing route uh, over to, to Tim Patrick where going right to left he hit him right at the left sideline looked like a really nice throw the timing was perfect he put it in the right area like it was it was a really nice throw one of those like, that's actually a pretty wow throw for him because and we'll get into this later he doesn't necessarily work the best doing the deep crossers and the deep overs and stuff he does it's not a strength timing I, that's exactly all about it's, timing with it's him. all about the timing but and, but you're but you're spot on with, with Teddy is that we got to see more of these high highs. We got to see more of these big plays. Um, I can't remember who it was, but somebody tweeted out that it took like 
seven or eight passes before we finally saw Teddy throw beyond 10 yards. Yep. Like again, steady Teddy, that's his nickname. And that's his nickname for a reason. It's because he doesn't really push the ball downfield. That's going to limit this office offense. And I've said it before on here, man, if we could take drew lock and Teddy Bridgewater and combine them, take kind of the over aggressiveness and balance of lock and balance that out with the um, over passiveness of Teddy Bridgewater. We have a, we'd have a pretty good quarterback yep. and then throw in Brett Rippon's intelligence. There we go. We got a star quarterback. Yeah, there. we do. Just, yeah. But I mean, hey. somebody comes in and says Ted, Teddy fans stream tonight. I'm like, I am by no means a fan of Teddy Bridgewater. He's no. not a guy. He's not the guy. He's not a possible franchise quarterback. Like drew lock. He still possibly can be. I just don't think that he makes his giant leap to be that guy. Like, right. not a fan. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm not a fan of them. That's probably the best, worst thing I could say about it. It's just, I don't think either of them are the future of it. So, I, I hate this. I, I hate this whole narrative. Teddy fans versus Drew fans. Uh, no, I'm a Broncos fan, okay? I want to see the best player yeah. out there. And quite honestly, if it if it is Teddy Bridgewater, that's not necessarily the best thing that could happen for the Broncos. I mean, he, like Eric said, he's just a limited. You know what he, you're, you're going to get. Steady Teddy. Yeah. Check down Teddy. Teddy two gloves. Whatever the whatever the hell you want to call him. One he's, out of one out of ten plays being over ten yards, like. Yeah, like that's I'm not I'm not a Teddy Bridgewater fan. I I think that he might potentially give this team the best chance to win right now, right now. And, and I but I have also, also said I've said this multiple times on Dove Valley Deep Divers. I've said it on the radio on Broncos Country tonight. I've said it uh, jumping in for uh, jumping in for Nick or Carl, whoever doesn't matter on the live draft stream that we did. The best opportunity for the Broncos because they they didn't go and get Justin Fields, my guy. The the best thing that could potentially happen for the Broncos is for Drew Locke to turn into the superstar quarterback that I thought that he was going to be in 2019. I was comfortable with the Broncos drafting him at number ten overall. He is hence very disappointing. He failed to meet any of the expectations that I thought he was going to. But he's also he still has that upside. He has an amazing upside. And thank you, Andrew, for jumping in with the super sticker. We see that. We appreciate you, dude. But uh, like. Drew has the upside, and if he does take that leap forward, this is a guy we're talking. If he, you know, can can rein in the gunslinger mentality that he has, be more calculated, like he says he's trying to be, and and take advantage of some situations and use his arm talent the way that he can, use his athleticism the way that he can. This kid could turn into a top ten, top twelve quarterback pretty easily. It's just do you give him enough time to get there? And I don't know that he has that anymore. I really don't. That's why they brought in Teddy Bridgewater. And quite honestly, to me, if Teddy Bridgewater wins this job, Drew Locke might be on the outside looking in following the season. Like he's going to have to take some steps forward over the course of the season and win the job himself that way. Like, cause yeah. And that, that, that's always a good possibility too. And on this whole note, like being Locke fans and Teddy fans, we're not, we're Bronco fans. We've made that clear. And I've said multiple times on here, the best thing for the Broncos is Drew Locke to become yep. the guy. Yep. That's what I care about is what's best for the Broncos. And I want to give a shout out to Broncos beat here. Um, can't, I don't have time to scroll back and find your comment from earlier, but he said that he was watching it with your daughter. Hey man, enjoy that time. Like yeah. it's, I can't believe my, my daughter just turned four at the end of June and it's just like time is flying by. Mm-hmm. So enjoy that time. And he asks how many consecutive quarters of subpar quarterback play would Locke need to have or stagnant offense Teddy produce before each of them would get pulled. Um, I think that it, I, I, that's a little bit hard for me to answer. I mean, Looking at the first four games, that's the biggest key for me. That's the easiest way to go about it. You've got the Giants, the Jaguars, the Jets, and the Ravens, right? Yep. That's the first four games. If you're walking out of that worse than two and two, like whoever the quarterback is definitely has to be really evaluated. Well, now, how much of that how much of that was them? Obviously, right. there's 
I'm not saying you pull them. It's just you got to look at that. You got to see right. how much of that was their fault, how much of that is these other guys' fault. After those four games, that's where the evaluation really would come in. Because especially with how the rest of the season goes, you really can't go out of these first four games. You can't really be worse than two and two. And I'd say even three and one is kind of yeah. pushing it. Or, or I mean, it's like where you actually really want to be. And Mark Lingley came in and says with the $4.99 uh, donation, he says, hey, guys. Hey, Mark, great to see you in here. It's been a couple, little bit since we've seen you in here. Always great to see you in here. I mean, uh, just a nice, uh, what's the right word I'm looking for? Um, Quite honestly, it's a pleasant surprise. We haven't seen you for a while, Mark. Like It's it's good to see you back. It, it's regardless it, the, the quarterback competition that everyone's going to be breaking that down, but I, I want to move forward from that. I really do. We've, we've tried to, you know, give our analysis and we, we get into these arguments and stuff like that all the time. And it, it's, it's not worth it. Mark jumping back in here with the $5 super. I'm a lock supporter, but he has a lot to prove just being real. And he does, he does. Yeah. He, he has to take that next step this year. This is year three for him, regardless of like, yeah, he missed most of his rookie season with, um, with, with the thumb injury. He played very well down the stretch he and last season he was nicked up he didn't necessarily play very well he continued to make the same mistakes over and over and over again didn't seem like he was learning from any of that and he just he just has to prove it this year that he can take those steps necessary to be a franchise quarterback that's really all there is to it so i don't i don't want to beat this dead horse over and over again but that's that's really just how it plays out and so far it seems like he's still having those inconsistency struggles that he had especially over last season where it does, I, don't, I haven't really heard of any of the same mistakes that he's made over and over. Um, there was one that he made in uh, in OTAs, I think it was, where he threw a, a late pass across his body, and Justin Simmons picked it off and took it for six the other way. And everyone, I, even even Ryan Edwards, who and, and Benjamin Albright, who are very very big Drew Lock guys, said that's that's a mistake that he can't continue to make. And he, if he's going to continue to make those mistakes, Teddy's going to walk away with his job now. Regardless, that's going to end the quarterback conversation, at least for now, unless somebody brings it up in, um, in Super Chat or something like that. I want to get to something that, Eric, you've been very critical of a certain player. Um, and it's it's been – I agree with you, and I think that there's there's a lot that needs to – there's some more nuance to that. But Lloyd Cushenberry, you have had a major issue with Lloyd Cushenberry, especially in pass protection. His functional strength is not there. He has not played very – he did not play very well. He was one of the worst players in football. Last year, like- yes, he was. There's no way about it. He was really bad last year, and he, I mean, it led to multiple issues on the offensive line. A lot of people were quick to point out Dalton Reisner's struggles or Graham Glasgow's struggles. Well, their struggles were a result of the poor play from the center position. But Andrew Mason came out today. I, I've been, I've talked multiple times on Trickle Zone articles, videos, stuff like that about a battle between um, Quinn Miners and Lloyd Cushenberry. Well, yesterday I think it was, might have been the day before. Um, Vic Fangio said that. If Quinn, Mi- if this wants to be a competition, Quinn Miners has to show that it is. Well, Andrew Mason today, with a couple tweets of his, he kind of came out and basically said it's not a competition. It's Lloyd Cushenberry's job. He has improved that much, which is great to see. I'm glad that we get to see it. Hopefully, it translates to games. Hopefully, it translates to pads. I'm not going to sit here and crown him as this great center or the starting center just yet, but it's great to see that he is showing these improvements. I mean, he had an excellent block on Alexander Johnson today. Yep. Great to see this improvement. You obviously, you never want a third round pick to fail, just as you don't never want a second round pick to fail. So it's good to see. I'm glad we're seeing it. Just need to see it translate. And uh, I want to get this one from a Twitch supporter. Uh, he says the Broncos for seven are looking promising this season. Yeah, by 
people that I've talked to, I mean, the things mm-hmm. I've seen on Twitter is that there's a lot of hype about this uh, front seven. McTelvin Ajim, a lot of people are talking about how big of a step forward he's taken, which is obviously great to see. Another third-round pick that you don't want to see fail. Like So just a lot of great things for it um, with this defensive line. Super excited for him. Uh, I, and they're deep. I mean, it's a very deep unit. Yeah. So something, and we were going to get to this here in just a minute. So it's a great segue here. Uh, the, the front seven has been just uh, unstoppable. It seems like the, from what I've heard so far, it seems like the the front seven, especially the edge rushers and especially Von Miller, who looks like he is just a man on a mission this year from, from everything I've heard. Uh, they're, they're constantly creating pressure and these quarterbacks have to figure out a way to manipulate the pocket. They've got to get the ball out on time. They've got to do whatever they can to, you know, escape and evade this ferocious pass rush, which seems to be getting, home damn near every time that there's a passing play like and there's there's a certain sense of nuance to this because they're not in full pads right now so the offensive line they can't hit back you know so it's it is always a little bit weighted towards the defense and especially the defensive line because they're not necessarily getting hit they're not necessarily getting blocked in the ways that they would when the pads are on now Something else that came out of that is with Von Miller just dominating, he also has been going against Calvin Anderson, uh, who was last year's swing tackle, started a game for Garrett Bowles in uh, was it week 15, I think it was, the against the Carolina Panthers, started at left tackle. He's been playing the right tackle for, for, the, for the first two days, and then he got bumped down. Bobby Massey got to start today with the ones. Uh, Calvin Anderson played with the threes for the most part, and Cameron Fleming got a chance to play with the twos. But Going against, you know, Von Miller, this guy's cream of the crop. He's a top, what, 10 at least, edge rusher, maybe still even top five. We'll see what it actually translates into. But still, Von Miller coming back and and showing that he has the ability to to continue to wreck games. I've heard amazing things, as you alluded to, about Draymond Jones, about he seems unblockable, especially in the running game. Like, this front seven is going to be ferocious. I cannot wait until we get to see what's going to happen with pads and where the running game is going to go. Because it sounds like against the past, this team is, uh, this Broncos pass rush is just ridiculous. But the Broncos are actually starting to grind out some some things in the running game as well. So it's going to be great to see what happens. I think it's Tuesday is our first pad of practice. We'll learn a little bit more about that here in just a few days. Yeah, definitely. And there was a comment I saw that actually dealt with that about how um, Cortland Anderson and Bobby Massey, I can't seem to find it. I don't know if I'm just, oh, here it is. It I got super chat. That's why I was just super chat. Over. Yep. Sorry about that. Um, I'll grab that. A, thought it was just a regular comment. It says, are we Chase Walner? Thank you for that. You have another comment too that I think that I, I want to grab. I think it's from you. All right. It says, are we sleeping on Anderson? Some people think so, but I have a hard time believing that Massey doesn't win the role. I agree. I mean, there was multiple reports today talking about how much different this offensive line looked today compared to the last two days. Right. And they're, they really cut back the number of pressures that they were allowing, especially from that right side. Well, there's, there's a, there's a caveat to that as well. Von Miller had a veteran rest day today. That, that is true. That is true. Von Miller not playing, obviously had a, had a thing on it, but I mean, like we were still seeing reports that Malik Reed was owning guys out there, owning Anderson Mm -hmm. and Massey basically shut him down. Um, so it's not just the fact that Von Miller was gone. It was Malik Reed. I mean, like, yep. he was being shot down by Massey where Anderson was struggling with him. So uh, I think that Anderson wins the backup job, but I think I I think that Massey ends up winning it. And let me go see. I'm pretty sure that it was you. I got, uh, I, got a quick, yeah, was. I got I got a quick super chat here from Steve oh, Hearn. Uh, just a just a quick dollar donation. Nothing to say, just showing some love. Steve, we appreciate you for joining, man. Thank you for that. We appreciate you. And then Chase, the other one, it says, apparently Eric and Lance are lock haters. Chad, Zach are in love with him. It's a lose-lose situation for the MHH guys. It, it is. I mean, we have tried our hardest 
to try to kind of sit on the fence about it. Um, but I mean, if if we say anything positive about Teddy, we're Locke haters. If we say anything positive about Locke, we're Locke lovers. Like there's there is no in between, which often go which often gets us pushing one way or the other. Fact is, is that we both we just want what's best for the Broncos. We don't think Locke will make this tremendous leap. We hope he does. And neither of us think that Teddy's the guy. Right. That's just as simple. I and mean, yeah, I mean, talking about Fields passes in the past, we can't change that. Right. Both of us were on the taking Justin Fields train. And part of that goes beyond this. I'm pretty sure Lance has said this on here before is Denver had one of the best corners in the NFL for a long time. Yep. And they didn't get to a Super Bowl until Peyton Manning. Like that that's where part of it is. You, it's hard to compete unless you have that quarterback. That's where it is. It's not that we think that Justin Fields is going to be a Hall of Famer. It has nothing to do with that. We don't know what he's going to end up being, just as we don't know what Patrick Sertan's going to be. Just saying, if they both hit these marks of it, then it, it was a bad pick. I mean, that's the thing. If they both reach their top level, that's yep. basically it. Well, and um, so so I, I want to kind of elaborate on that just a little bit. The Broncos had Champ Bailey for 10, 10 seasons. He's going into the Hall of Fame. He's already in the Hall of Fame. He's the Ring of Fame, one of the best cornerbacks to ever play the game. And in 2006, the Broncos had a 9-7 and seven season, but it was arguably the greatest cornerback season that this league has ever seen. Champ Bailey had 10 total interceptions in 2006. He only allowed nine receptions. He had more interceptions and taking the ball away than he allowed the other team to catch the football. That's how good he was. And the Broncos went 9-7. and seven. Like you can, you can have these great cornerbacks. You can have these great role players and stuff like that. I, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to take anything away from, from Champ Bailey. He was, he was amazing. One of my, one of the, my most favorite players, one of the greatest players of all time. But until you have, and that was, so for even more context, that was the season that Jay Cutler took over for Jake Plummer. Like that's, that's how that actually ended up happening. The Broncos had questions at the quarterback position. They just went to the AFC championship game in 2005. They were one game away from making the Super Bowl. Jake Plummer was playing great. That offense was clicking on all cylinders and Larry, uh, Larry Coyer had that defense just playing fantastically. The next season, quarterback uh, quarterback competition, the, the Broncos took Jake Cutler. Mike Shanahan decided to insert him halfway through the season, even though the Broncos were 7-5. and five. And guess what? They finished 9-7, and seven and they missed the playoffs. So you can have these, these great players, but you have to have that quarterback continuity. You have to have that. And he did. And, and Vinny coming in here, Champ got screwed for the defensive player of the year that year. Yes, he did. It was it, Seriously, it was one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen from a quarterback in any season ever. Amazing. But the quarterback um, literally failed. I want to grab this really quick because it's another Twitch user. It's actually the same same guy here. Savage Boy Kev jumping in on Twitch. Can you guys talk about the running backs? I kind of alluded to it here in, uh, just a few minutes ago when talking about the offensive line. Uh, who caught your eyes from the running backs throughout training camp? Um, something that I've seen constantly reported throughout anybody that's actually been at camp, there is no question right now that Melvin Gordon is running back one and Javante Williams is just a sparingly role player right now. Like yeah. Melvin Gordon has looked absolutely fantastic but out there. I'll say this is running backs are probably one of the hardest ones to evaluate until the pads come on. Mm -hmm. Like just because so much relies on contact, getting through contact. So I, I was going to say no one. But from the conversation, that seems to be is there is very clearly Melvin Gordon up here, Javante Williams, and then everybody else is down on my floor, basically. Right. Um, and, and Mike Boone, apparently. Boone, yeah, Mike Boone, Boone has been good plays, but not consistent. Um, and then just going back to the quarterbacks real quick, I don't want to spend the whole time talking about it. I just want to say this is Stern. 
I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure some people would change. My opinion on Locke has nothing to do with the wins. It deals with the technique, the issues, the mental aspects of it. That's what it is. Doesn't matter if they ended up sweeping them. Doesn't matter if they split with Casey. Doesn't matter to me. It's how Locke looked as a player himself. Right. That were my issues with him. So let's let's go back to 2015 really quick. The Broncos won the Super Bowl and they they beat the Kansas City Chiefs. This was actually the last time that the Broncos beat the Chiefs, week two in Kansas City. And Peyton Manning looked awful. He was he was terrible that game. The defense literally saved the uh saved the Broncos on a last minute forced fumble. I think it was uh I think it was Brandon Marshall who knocked the ball out of Jamal Charles's hand, and then Bradley Roby scooped and scored. So that was the the game deciding it. The defense literally won that game. The Broncos won the Super Bowl and they split with the Chiefs, but Peyton Manning played absolutely horrendous pretty much the whole season. He threw 17 interceptions, which is not Peyton Manning-like football, and he was hurt for most of the season with plantar fasciitis. So it, it doesn't matter the outcome, the, the wins and losses and stuff. Peyton Manning looked terrible. I, I'm, talk, I'm talking about Peyton Manning, Peyton freaking Manning here. Andrew, thank you for the stars. Andrew Lamb jumping in on Facebook. Thank you for the stars. We appreciate that. So again, it, like the quarterback play, it does matter a lot more. And it's just the play specifically to the quarterback doesn't necessarily matter. Yeah, the team outcome obviously is the biggest thing. But if you're if you want to talk about uh, stylistically how these quarterback plays, uh, what they what they do, their their technique, their form, the decisions they're making, stuff like that, understanding the the limitations to their athleticism stuff, that's what we are actually talking about here. We're not necessarily being a fan of either one. What do these quarterbacks do well? What don't they do well? And how are they playing within the con- within the the confines of the offense as a whole? So that's kind of where we're getting at with that. Now, before we lose this base case, came in unpopular opinion. Judy is going to be our wide receiver one, and assuming Court bounces back, how much will he get paid? Um, I don't think he will quite break like this eighteen million. I think barrier that is mm-hmm. kind of there or mark. I don't think he'll quite break that, but I think he'll push it. Sixteen, seventeen million on an average per year basis is what I think he'd be looking at. The in- and I think that it will be a little bit more front loaded than it will be back loaded because of the injury that he just suffered. Yep. Um, hard to tell though. I mean, we guys see how this year plays out. Um, but Jerry Judy has been absolutely killing it. Trinity Benson has been absolutely killing it. KJ Hamler has been absolutely killing it. And a lot of these bigger receivers that the Broncos brought in this year, not so much. I've heard a lot of struggles from Seth Williams. I've heard a lot of struggles from the other big rookie undrafted free agents that they brought in that was getting a lot of a lot of hype. Uh, uh, War- Warren Jackson. No, War- not Warren Jackson. Warren Jackson's oh. terrible. Um, you know how man. I feel about Warren Jackson, man. Why yeah, you, why'd you even mention? You ruined my mood. Well, he's because he's, sh- he's been struggling, man. I've I've heard yeah, nothing he but struggles from 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 him at camp, and I don't remember the, any of the, any of the other receivers. I just want to elaborate here on uh, on Cortland Sutton. I have a piece coming on Cortland Sutton here. Uh, it, it, I was going to try to get to it today. I'll probably get to it tomorrow and, and finish that up for you guys. Uh, he looks like he's a little bit more still like fluid, and he's, he's utilizing his route running and stuff like that. But he's not showing that athleticism and the explosion that he did. At, uh, you know, a couple of years ago prior to the ACL tear. And it's it almost looks like he's holding back a little bit from everything that I've heard at camp. He still, you know, shows a good route running and stuff like that, but it's, it's almost like he's playing at 75%. I think there's a quote that Vic Vangio had. They were asking about Cortland Sutton and his progress and his return from injury. And he said something along the lines of, yeah, he's he's on track. Everything seems to be good. We're just kind of taking a cautious approach with him right now. We want to monitor the situation. We're going to manage his output right now and kind of just hold him back a little bit. I don't know if it's necessarily by design that he isn't necessarily having the, the success that we thought that, that he could potentially have, but he's coming off a torn ACL. Um, it, it's, it is kind of interesting though, because he had that torn ACL in week two against the Steelers. And then in week six against the, uh, 
against the New England Patriots is when Albert Okwegbenam tore his ACL, but Albert O's out there running full. It's rehab is different between every single player. It's it, you can never really lock down a certain timetable for anybody, especially on a major injury like that. But with, with Cortland Sutton, let's be cautiously optimistic here. Uh, now, if he comes back and he balls out like he did in 2019, where he had, you know, 1100 yards with three different quarterbacks and was well on his way to being a top five wide receiver in the NFL, I could see him pushing that 50, that $18 million mark. I personally think that it's going to be closer towards 15 than 18, though. I think 16 million is about well, right for him. So, question about this. I might be completely mistaken about this since you brought in Albert Okwebenam. Um, I thought with Cortland Sutton, there was a little bit more damage and it was a complete tear. And I thought Albert Okwebenam's wasn't a complete tear. Okay. So, that is something that I don't know. I don't know the full details like, of that. So, if, I, I'm, I'm, if I'm speaking I'm out of sure. here, I, I apologize. I just thought I remembered seeing something about this was almost a year ago. I might be completely wrong. I might be mixing stuff up. Um, players up a lot of injuries happened last year hopefully don't happen again but uh i just thought that and if if that is the case that could be part of the reason why we're seeing one getting back there running around and everything and i gotta right. say albert okay he's one that i've been rather low on yep uh watching the practice replay of it yesterday he looked pretty good um so that was great to see and uh, cc comes in seth williams is going to take time you have to take time in the azani incubation chamber i agree yeah. I never thought that Seth Williams was a pick for this year. It was, I always felt that it was a pick for next year after either Tim Patrick or Cortland Sutton are gone. I believe one of them will be, not both. Yeah, I, I think actually, if, if you're looking at anybody, any one of the two being gone, it's going to be, um, it, it's going to be Tim Patrick. Quite honestly, I think that uh, he's he's got the highest trade value right now because people are scared of Cortland Sutton and the injury that he just had. Um, and like I said, he's coming on slowly right now, so we'll see we'll see a little bit more about yeah. what what happens with that. But uh, that is confirming it that it was a partial tear for Albert, okay. and then it was more damage for Cortland. Oh, hey, look at that! It's 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 Peter Middleton jumping in here from from Cambodia. That Peter, what's up, dude? Appreciate you for yeah, joining us right as always. Yeah, I, I I missed that missed that comment. I I, I apologize for that. I, we got a, a off the top rope super chat here from Naj Altoff. It, apologies if I uh, mispronounce your name, your name there, uh, but we'll get right into a twenty dollars super chat. We appreciate that uh, from you, Naj. Uh, hey brothers, Fangio saying he hasn't seen separations through three days with the quarterbacks. I take that as Bridgewater is ahead. It's only three days, but it would be nice to see Locke with separation if he's the franchise guy. Thoughts on that, Eric? I'll let you go ahead first, and I, let me gather my thoughts on this. Um, I don't know. I just take it that neither one of them is. I I take it as face value with Fangio. Um, neither guy separated. Um, I, I would, if I had a lean, I think that it still shows that locks the guy. I believe that the coaching staff does want Teddy Bridgewater. They're a coaching staff that could be coaching for their jobs. The guy who gives better chance for wins at right now with the lesser high variance of play is Teddy Bridgewater. So I think that's kind of who they want. Um, but I think that it's kind of lock. Um, and I mean, if locks able to separate, it goes for that helps him push to try to be the franchise guy. Um, I saw, I think it was George Marvai. I'm, I'm George, sorry, I can't remember. George can't Maravi. Maravi, there we go. That's the last name. Uh, I believe he asked, he made a comment earlier about if Locke takes a small jump this year couldn't, and then about potentially taking another big jump next year. The ish, My concern with that is that will be the best way for Locke to go if he wants to be the franchise guy. It's not going to be one huge jump into being a star quarterback or being this high-level quarterback. That's just so unlikely. But making a small jump. Then a small jump. The concern with that is the Andy Dalton path, the Derek Carr path, is you end up with this guy who hey. is just 
is just like top 15, not quite top 10 that can do all right at times, but still going to be enough of a variance with his play that you can't, that you're not going to make, if you make a push for the playoffs, you're not going to make a long push into the playoffs. You're not going to push for the championship game. You're not going to push for the Super Bowl. That is my concern with that. And that's not a thing that I really want to see the Broncos pay for. Um, But yeah, I mean, if, if we want Locke to win the job, he needs to start showing that if we want him to show that he can be a franchise guy, he's got to start showing, making these leaps and bounds of separate in terms of separating from Bridgewater anyways, to, uh, to win the job. So first things first, I want to go back to your, your Derek Carr comments and you know how I feel yeah. about Derek Carr. You know how I feel about Derek Carr. He gets a little bit more gruff than he deserves. I'm not going to lie. I, I think he's a fine quarterback. Now, to, to to parlay off of that, I think Drew Locke needs to have the average Derek Carr season, even with the 17th game. Derek Carr has been about average for the last three years, right at about 4,100 yards, 20 touchdowns, less than 10 interceptions. That, to me, if, if Drew Locke can get there this year, let's say he does take, take this step and he does win the job, and that's the kind of statistical output that he has where he's efficient. You know, 65% completion percentage or higher, about 4,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, 22 touchdowns, something like that. So long as he cuts back on the interceptions and he's down, you know, seven, eight, nine interceptions, maybe it, to, to hell with it, I'll even say 10, you, max 10. If you're below, if you're 10 or below, that shows me enough of a step. That's league average, okay? That's that's your league average quarterback. If that's where he's going to grow from being, you know, ranked 32 or 31 or wherever the hell he was this last season, if he's going to jump to league average, that to me shows enough of a step. I'm not saying that he needs to have that Josh Allen leap where he's in the mid-20s and then jump to the top three, okay? That, like That's that's not what I want here. Now, the, the comments that Vic Fangio made there – I think it goes uh, two ways here. One, that they, they've both had their highs. They both had their lows. Teddy Bridgewater's been just kind of steady. Drew continues to have the flashes that, that are like the light beacon on the top of the tallest tower in New York City, where it's just like flash, flash, flash. It's not like every 10 seconds or so, every five or six plays, he's going to have one of those big time throws. If, if it can come down – so back to Fangio here. If it can come a little bit closer, he's not seeing the separation based on what they're showing because they seem to be the same guy. Circumstances might dictate different things with each one of these guys. They're still not separating each other from showing that they're the same guy that they were before coming into this season. So to me, I think that the separation needs to happen where one guy continues to be more consistent in the things that he doesn't do well. So Drew Locke needs to have these bonehead decisions disappear. Teddy Bridgewater needs to start to push the ball down the field a little bit more. He needs to be a little bit more uh, aggressive in, in driving the football and, and spreading the ball out and not just checking the football down. And he did say, Vic Fangio did say, you checkdowns are fine, that's great, but you can't have them all the time. So he's specifically shooting that shot at, at Teddy Bridgewater. That's to me is where the separation is at. It's not necessarily between who's performing the best between the two of them. It's who's doing the best to improve themselves within the player that they currently are. So to me, that's where the separation is at. It's not necessarily between Teddy Bridgewater, who's completing, you know, he's only has four incomplete passes. That's fine. We all knew that's who Teddy was going to be because he checks down the ball so much. Drew has all these highlight plays, but he has a lot of miscues a lot of times. Doesn't quite have the the best decision making. If Teddy starts pushing the ball down the field, he's going to win this job. If Drew is more consistent with the decision-making, he's going to win this job. That's the separation that we got to see. And that's the thing that Vic Fangio is kind of alluding to. And that's the way that I kind of saw that comment. We got another how many, chat here. Real quick, how many yards did you say for Locke? Uh, 4,100, 4,000, something like that. That's you, know how many quarter, you do know how, how many quarterbacks threw for 40, over 4,000 yards last year? 13. 12. 
12. Uh, I, yeah. How about the year before? 10, I think, is what it was. 12, I believe, if my count is correct. So, I mean, like, your last kind of guy to go from 32 to 12. Close to 12. Close oh. to, I, I, I said like, close to I, the average I, there. I, I think, I think 3,500 yards is a nice step forward for him. Right. Like, but it's not just the yards, it's the efficiency with it, mm-hmm. a better completion percentage, less interceptions, more touchdowns. I actually had a whole Twitter thread about this a little bit ago about what it would take for Locke to just enter a top 16 quarterback. That's what that's what the step that we kind of need to see. Go from being top bottom 10, bottom three, whatever it is, to being a top 16 guy. And real quick, we had a Papa Chad come in. Yeah, I was said, say Hello, MHHers, Broncos Campus here. Thank you, Papa Chad. Thanks, Chad. We appreciate you, man, for for joining in and also fixing the layout, man. I'm I'm new to this whole thing. I don't I don't do producing the show all that very much. So, and I, I hope you're doing learn. a good job. Of, yeah, uh, got to relearn how to do this. Uh, John was, was great, and missing him is just is it's not necessarily very fun. I will say that. But and, uh, uh, back, uh, somebody, real quick, somebody back to the receiver. Somebody made a question about um, depending on how he does resigning Tim Patrick. The issue with Tim Patrick is that he has a long, extensive injury history. Um, here, here it is. Thank you. It was from Peter Middleton. Um, so I'm only playing at 75% of the season and locks and looks a little scared. Then I would be very worried about signing him long-term would sign Patrick instead. Um, if that's the case, I honestly, I wouldn't sign either. Like it deals with the age of Tim Patrick, him getting to that point where outside of certain receivers, most start to hit a wall. He has a very extensive injury history. It's part of why he went undrafted. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's dealt with multiple injuries with the Broncos over the years. Like at that point, I would just trust in Jerry Judy and um, Tyree Cleveland, KJ Hamler, Seth Williams, having these guys. I mean, you drafted them for a reason. Like that's where I'd be looking at. But I think, I think that it's more likely than not that Cortland Sutton remains a Broncos. And I, I, I actually agree with that. And Peter, thank you for the stars. We appreciate that, buddy. Back to training camp here. Um, obviously, we've talked about the pass rush and, and everything like that. Um, hit just a little bit. There's some injury news to update here. Mike Purcell, someone was asking about this. Mike Purcell suffered an ankle sprain. Um, I, I, I spoke to somebody behind the scenes that's in the know of the situation. It doesn't sound like it's going to be necessarily anything serious. A little bit of time off, rest and rehab should be fine and good to go for the rest of the season. Um, so don't necessarily worry about Mike Purcell, at least from what I was told. Um, guys, so Eric, I want to get to guys that uh, have kind of outshined and, and really shown out in training camp I, right now. I want to grab the the rookie, the Patrick Sertan. Okay, okay. I mean, all the report, all the reports are out there saying that he doesn't look like a rookie out there. That's great right. to see, and I love how they're using him. They're not using him really as a boundary corner. They're kind of using him as a hybrid defensive back. Yeah, a guy that I speculated after the draft and multiple times on Devalley Drivers that he's going to be this nickel guy that's going to come mm-hmm. in and be the answer to tight ends. They're yeah. going to pull off. They're going to be playing more diamond nickel coverages. They're going to be pulling off a linebacker. So bye-bye Alexander Johnson or Josie Jewell, whichever one. I I have my idea of which one it might be. Not, I won't get into that. And then Patrick's saying he's going to be this answer for tight ends. He's got the size. He's got the speed to handle guys like Darren Waller. He's got the physicality. That is his best way to transition into this Broncos defense that he runs. Not yeah. working on the boundary. Um, somebody made a comment about how he, if he doesn't work out at corner, he can be a safety. I don't think that's exa- that's entirely the best bet for him either. I mean, moving backwards just isn't where he's most comfortable. Having him in this kind of hybrid role that they're using him now, I think that if he doesn't work out outside corner, if they eventually move him there, 
I think this hybrid role is what's best for him. Right. Um, if, so, obviously, if not outside corner. Going, going to the size, the length, the physicality, the athletic ability and everything like that. And this has been spoken about multiple times on Dove Valley Deep Divers. If you, if you haven't heard it before, I'm going to say it again. Uh, based, so NF, uh, it was mockdraftable.com does spider charts. And they, they you know, do percentiles based on your arm length, your height, your weight, uh, your athleticism, your 40 time, your three cone drill and stuff like that. From what we got from the Alabama Pro Days and the, the drills that Pat Sertan actually did, his length, his size, his uh, uh, his weight and everything like that. It was like, I think it was like 89% comparable to Derwin James. And Derwin James, everyone knew was supposed to be this incredible safety coming out of Florida State. He's had some injury issues, and it's unfortunate because he is such a great player and he does such a great job. I, I know for a fact that uh, the 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 Los Angeles Chargers, when they took Derwin James prior to that season, they were one of the worst teams in covering tight ends. They took Derwin James and were in the top five of covering tight ends. This is the player that that Pat Sertan could potentially be for this Broncos team, and I'm, I'm very excited for it. Don't get me wrong, I. And I love I love Sertan as a player. I didn't think he was necessarily the greatest scheme fit. I also didn't think about putting him in the star safety role, the safety yeah, linebacker kind of hybrid. I was always looking at him as like a man coverage, uh, press coverage, man coverage, cover three, kind of a boundary cornerback. That's what I thought his best role was in the NFL. But now that you see it, now you really kind of get back and think about it. This is a great position for him to play, and he's going to be spectacular for this defense. He really is. And he and looks the part already, too. And for mock draftable, 86.2% like Derwin James with the athletic profile. Right. The next closest one is 81. Other guys on this list, um, Terrell Edmonds, a guy who's been a pretty decent safety for the yep. Steelers. Yep. Deion Buchanan, who a long time in Arizona, playing this kind of star role that we're talking about with Pat Sertan. Yep. Kyle Duggar, Eric Berry. Oh, like yeah. mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. kind of that's kind of the role that we're seeing him. I would like, I mean, obviously, I mean, you got to have an answer for tight end. So I think in that way he was worth that ninth overall pick being this answer to tight ends to Darren Waller to Travis Kels guys like that. I mean, that's what, that's what you need. And so very interesting. I'm going to, I'm, I'm wondering who it's going to be at linebacker that comes off. <clears throat> I think it's going to be Johnson. Because <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> Joel was better. <clears throat> sorry. Sorry. <clears throat> it, you, you good. You good on yeah. that? <laughs> I, I, just had I, I No, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, Alexander Johnson, and it's something that people don't necessarily want to talk about. And it was something that took me a minute. And Eric and I had a, a private conversation about it. Alexander Johnson was one of the most blitz heavy linebackers in pass rush situations of it, like literally the most pass rush snaps of any inside linebacker in the NFL last season. And the, the conversation that we had, Eric was about how the Broncos need to start manufacturing more pressure with inside blitzes and, and bring in some linebackers and stuff like that. And you're like, they're doing that. They actually are doing that already. I'm like, well, I'm not necessarily seeing it. I went back. It's like every other every other passing play. Alexander Johnson's blitzing the A gap. Like he's always blitzing the A gap. That's what he does. That's what he does best. He's not a turn and run player. He's just not. Sorry. And what I'm saying, Peter, is I'm not saying Johnson to be cut. No. No. Uh, not not what I'm saying is pulling him off the field. Um, going to nickel and dime, pulling off Alexander Johnson, not Zo- not Josie Jewell. Yeah. Um, that, that's what I'm saying is I think Alexander Johnson, he's just too good working, um, moving forward. I mean, like, that's just he's what he does. I mean, he's not that best, not that good in coverage. They really had to change their scheme for him. And Josie Jewell, despite his issues, he's just better in coverage, which is what the Broncos would be needing in this, that situation. Right. Yep. Situation. yep. Yeah. And who is also more efficient as a pass rusher as well. 
Yep, absolutely. Yep. So, and yeah, Josie Jewell gets so much hate that he doesn't necessarily deserve. And it's it's unwarranted vitriol. He's not the greatest athlete, but he's still a heady player. He did pretty well in covers last season. Let's let's be honest here. He a lot of people remember bad. that one catch against that Gronkowski had um, against them with Josie Jewell, where Josie Jewell was all over him. That was just a tremendous throw. Like Jewell had really good coverage. Yeah. Um, Base case says, wake me up in 2022 when we draft Malik Willis in the first round. Ooh, I mean, you, you should say, you should bring that in tomorrow when Nick Kendall is here. You, you'll probably see him faint. Uh, I like Malik Willis. Malik Willis. I really like what he can bring. I want to see a lot of growth as a passer. Um, somebody He's- else mentioned Desmond Ritter, and a lot of people in here know that I've really liked Desmond Ritter for a while. Yep. Um, but he, he too, he has to go and uh, – develop a lot more as a quarterback that's the thing with us uh the quarterback that i've been watching recently is jerkovich from boston college i believe um i like what his game i think that he's probably one of the better chances as the guy to come from nowhere to being one of the uh, one of the top quarterbacks i really like what he's bringing I haven't started anything on most of the quarterbacks, but I have got a lot into Malik Willis and I'm out. I, I mean, there, you can see. Well, it's okay. You're used to being wrong. I'm out, man. I, I see the arm talent. I see the athleticism and I, I just got to see more. The the timing, his reads, the, the way he's one read and run kind of a guy. It's Lamar Jackson light. Like I, as of right now, color me out. Let me see him grow this year. And maybe I'll, I, I love the tools. Don't get me wrong. The tools are there. It's just, he's got to have it between the ears. And as of right now, I don't think he does. It's, and, it's, that That's just my personal opinion. I could be completely wrong on that. I mean, one thing that we said more a lot of times leading up to the draft is that they next year at that time doesn't have the top level talent that this last year's had, which is true. They have, they just have a lot more names a lot more possibilities of guys taking this big step forward. Malik Willis, Desmond right. Ritter, yeah. Phil Drukovich, um, Matt Corral, like so many more, um, just a lot of guys about that. But going back to linebackers, uh, our Powell came in and asked, how has Ternod been looking? Um, from everything I've heard is that he's been outstanding out there yep. again, getting a lot of praise flying all over the place, looking strong, taking on blocks. Well, blocks, obviously it's a little bit limited when you're our, uh, um, the, when you're not inside of pads, looking yeah. outstanding in coverage, so just a lot of stuff. It's it, I've I've only seen a couple of updates, and it it sounds like he's pretty sticky in coverage. And like Eric said, he's flying around; he's all around the football, so that's that's a good sign for him. Um, he was actually doing the same thing last season too, and everyone kind of wants to forget about him. I mean, fifth round pick out of Wake Forest, kind of safety linebacker hybrid. He's 235 a little bit shorter not quite as long as you really like a linebacker to be but at the same time he's 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 got the fluidity he's got the athleticism to actually you know carve a niche out in this and become a, a really high quality coverage linebacker he's i mean he was playing very well last season until he had the was it a pec injury a pectoral injury or something like something that like I, can't, I, I can't remember but he was actually well on his way to being a niche player for this broncos defense and to see him come back from that and and now that he's a, a year better in the system, a year stronger in the weight room, it, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to see him be on the field frequently for this Broncos defense. I well, want to get to something real – go ahead, Eric. Real quick, I just touched on that. As somebody mentioned Browning and helping pave Justin Sernod's way to this roster is the fact that the Broncos are just going to keep Browning at edge. They're not going to yep. move him inside as many people thought. Mm-hmm. And the only reason for that is because the injury he's dealing with, they don't want to add that learning curve. And I know a lot of people want to sit here and compare the situation to Justin Hollins. It's not the same situation. Justin Hollins in college was a pure edge that they wanted to work at moving to be this off ball to try and be this Leonard Floyd type. 
Baron Browning coming into the NFL was this Baron Browning type player. Dropped into coverage a lot, played off ball a lot, played off the edge. He did everything for them, which hurt in a way his development at any of these places. Yeah, Vic Fangio spoke on that. I mentioned it multiple multiple times. Um, so I like the fact that they're focusing on one position. That was right. always going to be the case, and it was originally going to be off ball. But the injury is they're good. He feels more comfortable playing edge. That's where they're going to focus on now. And I like that fact. It's not the same situation as Justin Hollins. Right. And people need to stop that. Yeah. I, I can see the cross training aspect of it, but the, the situations are not the same. They, they really aren't. Uh, Baron Browning played a lot of edge. He played off, a lot of off ball. He's better coming downhill right now. Not necessarily the greatest processor, but he has played both of those things. I, I did a piece on Justin Hollins where they were using him um, off the edge, but they w- would drop him back into coverage, and that's where the freak athleticism showed. But dude was 6'5", 265. He was never meant to be an off-ball linebacker. He really wasn't. He was so much of a tweener because he was bigger than the average linebacker, but smaller than the average defensive end. And you just didn't know exactly what to do with him because Oregon used him in so many different facets that he never had that real true opportunity to shine at anything. That it, it was Hollins? weird for uh, a little bit. Kind of, no, I, 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 I basically right, at edge. He hardly. Right, I, I, I misspoke. Just the way that they use him in coverage. They use him okay. a lot in coverage. It, that's what that's what I was trying to get at. Uh, um, okay. That that and, four three the four three over front where they had him at edge and he would drop back and, and play that that off linebacker role and, and drop back into coverage. That's what I was getting at. Sorry. And uh, on that note too is like <laughs> Justin Hollins. He didn't fail because of that. No, <laughs> him, him. That's not why he failed. He wasn't picking up the playbook at either position. Yep. He just wasn't getting the technique down. Like it didn't deal with the cross training. It just it was with him. Well, and look at what he did with the with the Los Angeles Rams last season. He actually played really well for the Rams as a rotational edge rusher. He played pretty decently for the Rams. So, and that was in Brandon Staley's defense. So, uh, Brandon Staley and Vic Fangio had the same defense. That Brandon Staley is a Vic Fangio disciple. So it's maybe he and, had finally. Picked, I mean, he started to yeah, show up. It, in last year's preseason before they caught him, but yep, yep. I mean, it just, that first year, he just wasn't getting it. He just wasn't yep. getting anything down. All right. Last one here, guys, before we get out of here, we're right at the hour mark and I can hear some rustling around out there. So I'm, I'm guessing my parents are actually here. Finally, uh, breakout player that we've seen so far, obviously Jerry Judy is the truth and it looks like he is well on his way. Draymond Jones as well, but this is an under the radar guy that uh, Eric and I have talked about. And Eric's actually spoke specifically to him. I had him on my 53 man roster last week with, with Nick Kendall, um, Eric Salbert tied in out of Drake. He's a veteran. He's like 27 years old or something like that really has failed to, to latch on with anybody. But I tell you what, there are a lot of big praises about Eric Salbert making plays as a pass-catching tight end, which is showing something that he didn't necessarily show before. And there's there's a lot of words that he could be the wide tight end for this team and make the t- make the roster as the fourth tight end, maybe even the third tight end over Andrew Beck. Like, this kid is showing out spectacularly right now. Yeah, definitely. And he's a guy that I've always pegged to be that inline tight end. It's not Albert Oakwebenom. That's not Noah Fant. That's not their strengths. Right. You want those guys creating mismatches. Eric Sobert, he's the best one. Um, his blocking isn't outstanding by any means, but he's the best inline blocker of them all. So it wouldn't shock me at all. I mean, he's every clip I see, I mean, he's out there. He's getting separation. Yep. He's uh, getting open. I mean, getting open, obviously. He's making plays, like, just consistent. Um, Trinity Benson has Greg Madrid, um, or Gage Madrid comes in and says, uh, yeah, he's another one. I, I'm not sure if he'll make the roster unless he gets a shot at special teams, which I don't know if he is or not. Right. Um, which, speaking of special teams, speaking of that returner job, KJ Hamler, all the hope of him being the returner is kind of going downhill because apparently he's not fielding punts cleanly. 
Anyways. <laughs> that's that's news to me. I haven't seen that. And it would also not surprise me if that's it. I did a whole article on it yesterday. I, I, I missed it. I, I missed that. So that, I apologize for that. However, with, with KJ and the, uh, the what he is doing as far as the offensive skill position goes and being a wide receiver and being this legit electric threat that he has shown over the first the first three days of training camp, I don't necessarily know if I want him fielding punts. Like, let's get somebody back there that's not going to have a, a key role in this offense. Because oh. I think I think KJ Hamler is going to explode this year. I really do. Based on what, what I'm hearing coming out of camp, I think he's going to have a great season. I do. Well, if you want big explosive punt returns, you put an explosive playmaker back there. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> and I'm I'm not going to disagree with you. I've I've pounded that drum multiple times. But if he's not catching the football, he's not catching the football. You you got to have a right. guy you can trust back there. I mean, that's that's what they did with Trenton Holiday. You couldn't trust him to catch the uh, catch the punt. But if you need an explosive play, throw him out there and he's going to take it for six. So yeah, it is what it is. But I think – let me check the comment stream here really fast. Eric, we're going to probably get out of here. I don't see anything pressing. So, yeah, that's going to – What else is new? Uh, Eric, Somebody's Eric's got to hold always, Lance accountable. Eric's always calling me out. I don't know why he, why I continue to put up with his shenanigans and nonsense all the damn you time. love me. <laughs> I do love you, buddy. All right, that's going to do it for us on the Dub Valley Deep Divers podcast. You all, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, it means the world to us. You guys can follow me on Twitter at SandersonMHH for Eric, at Eric Trickle. Notice the CK and Eric and the EL and Trickle. Also, guys, while you guys are at it, follow at DVDV underscore pod. That's the podcast account. That is uh, what you're going to find, what we're going to be talking about for the for this week's show. We'll throw some takes out there occasionally, but not very often. Every now and again, you'll see, see something like that. Also, guys, while you're at it, follow at Mile High Huddle. That's instant news and analysis on your Denver Broncos. Anything regarding uh, Broncos training camp 2021, the quarterback updates, the, any quote breakdowns, any any news, opinion articles, film breakdowns, anything regarding the Denver Broncos, you're going to find it at Mile High Huddle. Uh, Facebook supporters, make sure you guys go to facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle. Click the blue Become a Supporter button. That's where you're going to get premium content like Kelberman's Corner at uh, noon on Sundays, Mountain Time, and uh, like the Trickle Zone at noon on Saturdays. Now, Eric, what do you got going for the trickles on this week? I know you're back uh, finally for the first time in a couple of weeks now. Uh, yeah. Um, believe quarterback is on the menu. Okay. What specifically about quarterback? If you want to give us some spoilers. Well, originally this was supposed to be, la- be done before training camp started. Cause it was talking about what these guys need to show in training camp. Okay. To try to win the job. But uh, it'll be a little bit of what they've done so far, as well as what they got to continue to do, try to win the quarterback job. Talking about just about this quarterback battle, might touch in on some other training camp news, maybe some stuff that I didn't get to tonight. Um, not sure. It might be it might be a hodgepodge of whatever I want. Maybe, maybe yeah. I'll sing. Maybe there we go. Maybe I'll sing. <laughs> I am not looking forward to that. Mute, block, and delete, see. please. Ooh, I can't see. Mute, block, and delete on that, <laughs> uh, guys. If you're not, uh, if you guys are financially able to do so, and uh, really want to help support the show, it's a great way to do so. Uh, go to huddleuppod.com. That's the merch tent. That's where you guys are going to be able to get yourself a hat. You get this new Dove Valley Deep Divers T-shirt with hashtag State of Being on the back. There's a face mask, coffee cup, hoodie, anything to suit your fancy. Something for the guys. Something for the gals. A onesie for your baby if that's your fancy. HuddleUpPod.com. That's where you're going to be able to do that. If you guys are not 
financially able to do so or just that's just not your bag you don't you know i mean buy buy merch from anybody it's in and supports our shows and stuff like no just play uh if you guys aren't financially able to do so just don't want to the three things that everybody should be doing especially on youtube subscribe wherever you guys are watching this youtube specifically facebook twitter twitch apple podcast does not matter wherever you guys get your podcast content subscribe to mile high huddle like every video you guys see it's a great way to help us support the show and if you love it Share it. Get in front of as many Broncos fans as humanly possible because as many eyes as we can get on this helps us grow the show the most organic way possible and do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now, before we get out of here, Eric, as is customary, any last words? I actually have a couple. Did you see that Tim Tebow caught a touchdown? In, uh, I did. I did. Good for him. Good for him. Uh, is it, what's the over-under for Tim Tebow touchdowns this season? Because I'm fairly certain he's going to make that roster. That tight end depth is just god-awful. Over-under <laughs> touchdowns for Tim Tebow this season. Four and a half? Yeah, I'll go, I'll, I'll go with four and a half. I'll, 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 I'll think I'll take the under. Take the under? Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's a good spot. But uh, anyways, um, Chase Walner comes in and says, the official MHH Bowl. You have no idea how many times I've actually <laughs> heard that. And it's actually funny to me. Um, fortunately I have great friends like Lance, Nick and Carl who know how to handle me. Um, and they, and they do know that most of the time I'm just joking. He's a teddy bear. Um, and then, and then George, I remember that too. And Lance will never live that down. Uh, we don't speak of these things that never actually happened. John Gruden was a, oh, was a top. Oh, come on, Ricky. I was high when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Good gracious. Uh, shout out to everybody in the chat. Thank you all for joining us on the Dub Valley Deep Divers podcast. We appreciate everybody and each and uh, especially each and every one of you super chat superstars for tonight. A great show. Again, thank you all. You all stay safe. Take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. And as always, before we get out of here, got to say it. Go Broncos. Training camp's ready. Let's go.